Well, good morning and welcome to Ritson Road Alliance Church Online. I'm Chris Corbin and I am the pastor here at the church. We are so glad that you are here joining us this morning as we continue to explore what it looks like to journey with Jesus in every area of our lives. This morning we'll be continuing our series, The Broken Road, as we explore what it means to journey with Jesus in the broken areas of our lives. If you've been impacted by any of our messages, we would ask that you consider sharing them with your friends and families and with your, your social circles. We long for our communities to experience the life-changing hope that is found in Jesus Christ. And really, there's just no one better to share the good news that you have received in Jesus Christ than you. And so sharing with your friends and neighbors and families the ways in which you see Jesus at work in your life. And this is a really easy way for you to do that. As always, we long for you to engage with the service this morning. And so if you're watching online, we invite you to engage in the chat room with others, to leave comments on social media. We invite you to sing and to join us in prayer. This morning, though, I really want to encourage you to grab a pen and paper or even a journal. You're going to want to take some notes this morning. And finally, I want to encourage you to take some time to work through the questions for reflection at the end of the service. I want to pause for just a moment and pray. We believe that God is a present God and a God who speaks. So let's invite him into our presence wherever we find ourselves. And let's ask him to speak to us this morning. Let's pray. So Father God, we come to you this morning and we come with an expectation and an anticipation that you are present in our midst and that you speak to us. And so we invite you, God, to have your way, to speak through your word this morning. Lead us and guide us and may we encounter you. So come, Lord Jesus. Amen. Well, it's the moment you've been waiting for. Our service starts now. Well, I want to welcome you back this morning. And as I stated at the beginning of our service, we're continuing our series on the broken road as we are exploring what it looks like to journey with Jesus in all of the areas of our lives, including our areas of brokenness. And this idea of brokenness has quite a few connotations. Quite often, at least in the church, there's this tendency to equate brokenness solely with the whole idea or concept of sinfulness. And while there is truth in the fact that our sin is an expression and a result of our brokenness, being broken doesn't only equals sinfulness. I would suggest to you that brokenness is really anytime things are not the way that they should be. That means that when we refer to our brokenness, we are simply acknowledging when our lives are not as they should be, or they're not in the way that God intends them to be. New Testament scholar N.T. Wright, while Quoting another church leader in a recent interview said this, The church doesn't do lament very well, but it doesn't do celebration very well either. What the church mostly does is just complacency. 
And perhaps if you're a little bit like me, at first hearing those words, they sting a little bit. We don't really want to be known as complacent. But the more I've considered his words, the more I wonder if I might actually be in agreement with him. I've come to the realization that one of the areas of our brokenness that the church has often neglected to talk about or to teach on is learning how to grieve and lament, or at the very least, learning how to do it well. You see, grief is defined as the emotional reaction to loss or change of any kind, while lament is defined as the expression of grief or sorrow. I think what's important to note here is that grief is not limited to death. Rather, it is connected to loss or change of any kind. And so each and every person will, in their lifetime, experience varying levels of loss. Some people will experience the loss of a loved one or a family member. Some people will experience the loss of health, whether it's physical, emotional, or even a mental loss of health. Some will experience the loss of a job or financial stability. Others will experience the loss of a dream or hopes for the future. And some will experience permanent loss, while others will lose things that are more temporary. And some might even experience loss that is only imagined. And yet even imagined loss is still loss. More recently, with the outbreak of the COVID pandemic, each one of us has experienced the loss of the life we once knew. And so each one of us actually has a reason to grieve. And really what I think would be a good way to describe what it means to grieve is this. It is simply getting the emotions and the feelings that are associated with those losses or even disappointment and pain inside of you out to the surface so that they can be dealt with. Unfortunately, I think with the convenience of modern life and the affluent lifestyles that we have come to experience in the Western world, we've actually been almost lulled into thinking that other than death, we really do not have anything to grieve. That in our lives, at least for the most part, everything should be okay. Everything is going to be reasonably comfortable. And in the church, we actually see this avoidance of grief, and it's often veiled behind a very true and very well-meaning words. Statements like, God is in control. Have faith, everything is for a purpose. And so when bad things happen, when loss or disappointment or pain are experienced, we're actually taught, and I believe it's meant with really good intentions, but we are taught that we're not supposed to be sad and we're not really supposed to grieve. Instead, we're actually encouraged to put on a good Christian smile and, and speak empty religious words, pretending that we don't hurt and that everything is fine. Recently, I had a number of friends who lost another dear friend. And while I was talking with one of them, he kept on saying this. He kept on saying that God is good and God is faithful. And all of those are true words. But I could tell that he wanted desperately to cry or to have the freedom to really feel the emotions that were waging inside. 
but it was as though he had to put on this composed face. And while I know that he truly believes the statements that he was making, that God is good, God is faithful, he was using them to push down the grief that he really needed to express. And so often in the church, if something really bad happens, we'll probably shed a tear. In fact, we might even put our arm around somebody's shoulder and say, we'll get through this. But really, what I think happens is the aim of all of that is really just to push it to the side and say, that was really nasty, but let's move on. Don't focus on that. And yet, as I read through the scriptures, as I come to Jesus' words in, in the book of John, where he says, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. He's talking about a depth of life that I think few, unfortunately, find. And it's because the broken road is actually often painful. It can seem overwhelming at times, and so we actually tend to avoid it. But I'm more and more convinced that the fullness of life that Jesus promises is actually found in walking down the road of our brokenness. It's allowing God to walk with us in that brokenness, and then it's ultimately allowing God to bring true healing to those broken areas of our lives. That's what it means to have life to the full. And so this morning, I want to take a little bit of time to give you a brief biblical view of loss, grief, and lament. But then I also want to take some time to explore the why and the how we grieve. As we look through the scriptures and right from the beginning of time, we ha- there's been this experience of loss. The biblical narrative is full of it. It weaves itself all the way through and we can see this idea of loss and our need for grief. Right from the beginning with the fall of Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden in Genesis 3, we see pain. We see loss. You know, After Adam and Eve sin, God actually prepares them for this harsh reality that from that point on, all of life would be marked by loss and pain or misunderstanding and disappointments, conflict, thorns and thistles, pain and, and childbirth. And this thread of pain and loss actually weaves itself all the way through Scripture until the very end of Revelation, when we read this. He says, And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. And so we see the biblical view of loss in the words of the prophet Isaiah. When he's describing the coming Messiah, he tells us that Jesus would be a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. Solomon, perhaps one of the wisest men of all time, tells us this. He says, there is a time to weep and a time to mourn. In John chapter 11, we actually find Jesus weeping. And if all of those weren't enough to convince you that this pain and this loss is woven all through Scripture, the largest single category of psalms are really psalms of lament. 68 out of 150 psalms 
are, if not in full, at least partial psalms of lament. Psalms that are an expression of the author's grief and sorrow. And so scripture makes it clear for us to see that pain and loss are natural. We are going to experience these things until the time when Jesus returns. And so part of journeying the broken road, part of journeying with Jesus, is really going to be allowing him to speak into these places of our loss. It's allowing him to speak into our places of disappointment and really learning how to grieve and process that pain. You know, if we don't allow Jesus to meet us in the depths of every emotion, every loss, every hurt and wound, then what I think we'll end up with is a really shallow faith. And so as we recognize that scripture paints for us this reality that each one of us is going to experience loss and our pain, and I think you have already probably experienced it even in life. This should really cause us to stop and, and to ask this question. How do I respond to loss and grief? Well, there are a number of ways or typical responses to grief. The first one that we're going to look at is denial. And denial is really when we say things like, I'm okay, I'm fine. You know, it's part of this aversion to pain that we have. We just want to pretend that our grief is not even there. We want to pretend like everything is okay. And this is really the exact same response that my friend gave me after the loss of his friend. I'm okay. God is good. And yet deep down inside, there's this need to grieve. The second response is often closely tied to denial. And it's rationalization or justification. And so rationalization is when we start to believe the lies that my pain isn't as bad compared to others. I haven't suffered much. And so what we want to do is we want to minimize our pain, our grief, or our loss. And rather than processing our own pain, our losses, our disappointments, we justify them away. Somebody else has it worse than me. And so I really shouldn't complain. About a year ago, when our house in Alberta finally sold, I actually began to grieve the loss of a dream. I had always dreamed of owning my own home, and maybe that's just a part of the great American dream, right? And so when our house sold, it really was a time of loss for me. And because this is why. When our house sold, not only did we sell it for a loss, uh, but because it took almost a full year to sell, we actually took quite a bit of a financial hit. It basically wiped out all of our savings. And so those two things, the, you know, the loss on it, the loss of our savings, combined with the fact that the houses in the GTA are significantly higher than they are priced than they are in Alberta, really means that we likely won't ever be able to purchase another house. At least not anytime soon. And so with that reality, I actually experienced the loss of the dream of owning my own house. Now, when I was first wrestling with this, when I was first grieving this, I actually started to justify and rationalize away my grief. You know, our situation really isn't that bad. We can still afford to rent a house. Some people can't say that. We have enough food to eat. Others can't say that. 
We didn't lose a loved one. It was only a house. And so what happens is when we start to think like that, we actually push aside the pain that we feel in our own loss. And it never gets dealt with. But the reality is, is that grief and loss are not a comparison game. We can't compare our loss to another. When we experience loss of any kind, no matter how good, we can experience the loss of good things, good seasons as we enter into a new season of life. But whenever we experience loss of some kind, we actually need to learn to grieve it, not to compare it. Another response to grief is this. It's muted or heightened emotions. And we may experience this in a number of ways, and we're certainly not going to touch on all of them, but some of the ways that we see muted or heightened emotions are these. One, it might be a loss of joy or the loss or the ability to dream or hope. We sometimes refer to this as becoming emotionally numb. Amanda and I have another really good friend that experienced this. She had encountered and walked through a whole bunch of lost dreams and hopes, and she never had time to process those things. And so rather than expressing her emotions, rather than dealing with the hurts and the pains that came with those lost dreams and hopes, she decided it was easier just to shut down her emotions and to just be steady. And so for years, she actually locked away her emotions, her joy, her grief, and her sorrow. And she was a steady person. She just kept going. You could always count on her. And then when she finally began to allow God to bring healing to those unprocessed wounds, she actually realized that she had locked away these hopes, these dreams, this joy. And suddenly she found that she had this reinvigorated freedom or ability to dream for what might be, to have joy once again. This is the same thing we saw earlier in our kids' moment. Another way that we see this being expressed through muted or heightened emotions is through depression. When we grieve or, or the, when we have loss or pain that is unprocessed, it often leads to a depression. But this is a depression where that grief is actually allowed to form the identity of the person. They are just living in a constant state of grief. They're not processing it. They're not expressing it. They're not dealing with it healthy. They're just living in that grief. We also see it expressed through anger. And this is another common response to unprocessed grief. We ex and not just any anger. We're talking about a deep anger. This isn't the anger that we experience when things cause us to get frustrated or even when anger is justified. But it's this deep anger that bursts out into different areas of our lives. And sometimes even unexpectedly. Ron Walborn, who's the Dean of the Alliance Theological Seminary in New York, describes this anger like a beach ball. He says, when you're at the beach and you're playing with a beach ball, you can shove it under the water. But when you shove the beach ball under the water, it rarely comes out where you pushed it down. Instead, it bursts out of the water in all sorts of places, over here and over there. And so in the same way, when we have unprocessed wounds or grief, our anger may actually burst out in places that are really seemingly unconnected 
to those places of grief or loss. The fourth way that we often respond to grief is through medicating. And here you can insert your, drug, your choice of drug. It might be alcohol, it might be drugs, it might be pornography. It can actually even be expressed in our busyness. And so rather than dealing with the pain, we actually try to numb it by being so busy that we don't have time to think about it. In terms of the church, we can sometimes see this with people who are just so involved in every different area of ministry possible. They just want to be involved in everything so that they don't ever have to deal with their brokenness, their unprocessed loss or grief. Now, don't go looking at everyone who's involved in ministry and say they're not processing their grief. But there is another response to grief. And this response involves us processing the pain in the presence of Jesus. Psalm 147 verse 3 says this. He says, He heals the brokenhearted and he binds up their wounds. And this is an incredible promise of God healing us of our brokenness, bringing wholeness and restoration to it. But before we get into how we can grieve or how we even process that pain in the presence of Jesus, I want to just give you a few of the benefits to biblical grieving. The first benefit is this, is that we have an increased emotional capacity. You see, what happens when we don't grieve or don't process those losses is we actually continue to hold on to it, like baggage, wherever we go. And so if you think of your life like a suitcase, there is only so much space in a suitcase. And there is only so many things that it can hold. And so if your life or your suitcase is full of unprocessed stuff, there's really no room to put anything else. And so when people or big things or other events come at you, come into your life, you just simply don't even have the emotional capacity to respond. It just becomes overwhelming. But as you allow God to bring healing to the unprocessed baggage, he begins to create space in your life. It's as if he says, let's take that out. You don't need it anymore. And you're able to handle life and people more fully. The second benefit is that it gives you a soft heart and an increased empathy. You know, so similar to this increase in your emotional capacity, when you invite Jesus into your grieving process, you're going to find that it actually keeps your heart soft. It gives you an increased empathy for others because if you have never grieved, if you have never experienced loss, it's really difficult to relate to those who are going through grief, who are experiencing loss or disappointment. And so it keeps us soft. It helps us to empathize with them. Another benefit to grieving is that we regain freedom and we regain permission to risk again. And I think ungrieved losses are one of the biggest reasons we live a safe life. You know, what happens when we experience the loss of a dream or a hope? When we don't process those things, when we don't process the loss of that, that hope or that dream or that plan for the future, we actually find that we get stuck in a rut. We live in the past or in the what ifs. And if we don't process, we 
and inadvertently end up living a safe life. We don't want to risk challenges. We don't want to risk failure or any of these kind of things. And yet when we grieve, we grieve so that we can fully embrace what's next. So that we can live by faith and take risks and have hope and new dreams. Because as we allow God to speak to those broken dreams, to those, those failed promises or disappointments, we begin to trust again. And that's the fourth thing is that the benefit to grieving is that it actually restores our capacity to trust, to trust God, to trust people again. We grieve so that we can let go of what was, so that we can be fully ready to embrace what is to come. Ron Walborn says, if we don't grieve well, the past will rob you of your present and your future. Let me say that again for you. If you don't grieve well, the past will rob you of your present and your future. So that leaves us with the question of how do we process our grief? How do we process our wounds, our losses, our disappointments? Well, the reality is, is that there's a lot of different ways to grieve. You know, one of the ways that we can grieve is through tears. We can cry. And I recognize that not everyone is going to cry. But I want you to know that it's okay to cry. Jesus wept. Job wept. David wept. Jeremiah wept. All of these men of God cried before him. Another way that we can grieve is through music, writing songs, or, or playing an instrument. We can grieve through art. You might grieve through journaling. This is one of the ways that I have found to be most helpful in processing my grief, is to write it down. You may want to grieve through walking in the woods or running and working out. I mean, what better way to get out the, that frustration, that hurt, that anger, than you know, to get in a few extra reps when you're working out. But it's all really about unpacking the baggage, unpacking the garbage, and taking out the unprocessed stuff. And so there is a process to grieving. And it starts by inviting the Holy Spirit to guide you. I want you to know that this isn't about unboxing all of our wounds or losses at once. If you were to try to do that, I think you're going to be overwhelmed. Just start with one. Ask the Holy Spirit what area in your life, what wound or loss does he want to bring healing to in your life? And then the second step is to acknowledge the truth of the loss. Speak it out. Write it out. Psalm 55, 22 says, Cast your burdens on the Lord, and he will sustain you. Peter tells us the same thing. He says, cast all of your anxiety on him, because he cares for you. For me, this is where I found it helpful to journal, was to write out all of those losses. To put them in on writing helps me to acknowledge the pain that I experienced through that. The next step really is then to allow yourself to feel the pain. It's okay to cry. It's okay to be angry or to have questions, to wonder what God was doing. I mean, if you've ever read the story of Job, you see a man who is filled with grief. Job's friends, all these guys come all around side him and all they're offering him are these empty religious thoughts. And then Job responds, and most of the things that Job says to God in his pain 
were not what most Christians have been trained to say to him. All of his pretty words were gone. gone. Instead, Job actually confronts God. He yells at him. He accuses him. He even speaks sarcastically at times. And yet, God responds. And when God speaks, Job listens and he humbled himself. The next step is that we want to invite Jesus into that painful experience. Hebrews 4 tells us that we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weakness. It says, let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find help, find grace to help us in our time of need. You know, one of the most important aspects of biblical grieving is that you don't stay there. If we acknowledge our loss, we allow ourselves to feel the pain, and then we give those pain, that pain and those emotions to Jesus. You may even want to consider symbolically nailing them to the cross or, or laying them at the feet of Jesus. But you invite him into that. You invite him to take that pain and that grief. The next thing is, is that we have to understand that there are layers. We need to recognize that grief, just like every other emotion, is like an onion. There are layers to our grief and to our loss, to our pain and our disappointments. Sometimes you may have felt like you've already dealt with something. And God may bring it back to you because he wants you to experience even greater levels of freedom in that, in that pain or in that loss. And then finally, I would say this is don't grieve alone. Find a safe person and allow them to be a safe place where you get those feelings up and out so they can be dealt with, so that Jesus can bring healing and restoration. Let me conclude by saying this. I think that if most of us are honest, grieving is really not the direction that we head naturally. But as I said before, if we want to experience the fullness of life that Jesus has promised, we need to be willing to journey down the broken road. Grieving our loss and our pain and our disappointments is all about making space for God, where you didn't have space before because it was filled with all of that unprocessed hurts and loss. It may not seem like an easy road but I promise that it is a road that is worth traveling. I invite you to pray with me this morning. Well, Father, we come to you, and I admit that grieving and lament, loss, are not the places that I naturally go. They're not even the places I naturally want to, to be even close to. My natural tendency is to go and pretend that everything is okay. But Lord, I acknowledge that if I truly want to find fullness of life, I need to find you in the midst and the depth of my loss, in the depth of my disappointments, in the depth of my wounds, and allow you to bring healing. And so, Lord, I need to grieve those things. I need to lament. I need to bring what is inside out to the surface so that you can bring wholeness and restoration to the areas of my brokenness. Lord, I pray that we would have a bold faith and a trust in you 
to allow you to speak into those broken places that you would bring wholeness. And so may we be faithful to you and may we continue to press into the hard places. May we continue to journey down the broken road that we would find fullness and life in you. Pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I invite you to take a few moments to work through the questions for reflection, to be open and honest before yourself and before God, and begin the journey of allowing him to speak wholeness and truth into your life.